I just want you to know that, you know, there's various people in our congregation who really, I, you know, I don't know, every, I hope everybody prays, but there are some people who really, I believe, have a call or a, a, a sense of praying for people, and, and we just really appreciate people that are faithful to pray for one another. I want you also to know that we do have a group of ladies, and they happen to all be sitting together this morning, so I thought I'd mention it. No, the um, Sherry and Gwen and Marion, they, they get together every week and pray for um, whatever needs might be. So if you call me or text me and give me a prayer need, I let them know. I pass it on, and I just want you to know that they are praying for you, whatever that need might be. Um, you know, this is so important to remember that there are people who are there praying and uh, interceding for us, and, and it's important that we do that for one another and not just, uh, you know, those people. But um, just wanted to let you know that. We're going to continue um, talking about the kingdom of God. And today we're going to talk about the kingdom of God starts from small beginnings. And I'm going to start with Matthew, the 13th chapter. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse, Jesus is telling parables, and he says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid it in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. And, you know, both of these parables tell us about starting with something small. Now, the first one, Jesus says, you know, you start with a little mustard seed and you plant it, and he said... If you let it grow, it can become big enough that birds can set in it. You know, it starts small. And he said the kingdom of God is like that, that God starts with small things, sometimes insignificant, sometimes, you know, and I, and I don't mean that people are small, but, um, you know, sometimes we think we're pretty insignificant. And probably in the scheme of things, we a lot of times are insignificant. But, you know, that's what God's looking for. You know, the, the Bible says that's what God's looking for. So sometimes, you know, when we think, well, I don't matter. You know, what I think doesn't make a difference. What I say doesn't matter. And, you know, we can think we're pretty insignificant. I think it's good for us to remember that when God sees us, he doesn't see it that way. He says, well, that's what I start with. He says, that's what I can start with. I can start with that which, which seems insignificant, which seems like, well, what could ever happen or what could God ever do with them? Or what could that ever amount to? And in God's kingdom, that's what he starts with. He's looking for those kinds of people and situations. Insignificant, unexpecting, and a lot of times unqualified. You know, I, I remember several years ago, um, Eileen Williamson, I was trying to think of her name. You know, um, Eileen Williamson, she's a lady who's from my past, and uh, a lot of you know her. But anyway, Eileen gave me a plaque, and it said, you know, God doesn't care about our ability, but our availability. And, you know, that's so true. That's so true. Because, you know, my, looking at myself and my ability a lot of times holds me back because I think, well, what could I ever do? Or how, how could God ever use me? Or what could God ever do with me? Or what difference would I ever make? And we need to see that, you know, God in his word says that the kingdom of God is not like that. It's not like that. 
that God uses those situations and he uses us right where we are. You know, we don't have to go somewhere. A lot of times we think, well, if God's going to use us, we have to go somewhere. You know, we don't have to go anywhere. He'll use us right where we are. And as he uses us, then he will use it to whatever he has planned. You know, and that's up to him. That part has to be up to him. We have to be willing to let him use us and let him show us and then leave the rest up to him. I've got a couple of um, Old Testament stories that I want to share with you this morning to kind of point this out. And the first one is in Zechariah. Zechariah is in the Old Testament. Um, it's a book we don't look at too often. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Now, Zechariah, the fourth chapter, beginning at the sixth verse. It says, And so he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth a capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Well, here's the story behind all this. The Israelites have been in captivity. They've been taken over by their enemies. And they've been gone from their homeland. And when they came back, Zerubbabel started building the temple. And the Bible says that he laid the foundation. And it took him two years to lay the foundation. And then it laid for 17 years. And nobody built on it. 17 years. Now, you know, if, if uh, Butch started building a house and laid a foundation and it laid there for 17 years, somebody would say, what's wrong with Butch? You know, what's wrong? You know, if somebody starts something and it lays there for 17 years and nothing happens, people would say, well, what's going on? What's the problem? Well, part of the problem was that the enemy was coming and fighting against them and, and prohibiting the work. And so for all this time, you know, 17 years is, you want to test your patience? I mean, I don't know. You know, you, you read that and you say 17 years. Well, you know, if, if, if your husband said to you, let's build a new house, and he said, you said, okay, that's exciting, and you laid the foundation, then you sit and looked at that foundation for 17 years, that's a long time. That's a long time. You know, when Mary tells me to do something, I know after a couple of weeks is a long time. You know, it's like when, are, you know, like, uh, did you forget? Uh, did you remember? Uh, you know, I know you're busy, but, you know, but 17 years, 17 years, it laid there. And so now God is speaking in that situation after 17 years. And it's interesting. One of the things he says is he says, this is going to happen not by might, not by power, but it's going to be by my spirit, says the Lord. And, you know, we read that scripture and we hear that and we quote that. But think about it. It's laid there for 17 years and God speaks and says, you know, it's not going to be by your ability. 
It's not going to be by your able, being able to get this done. It's not by your might, and it's not by your power. It's not by anything you're going to do, he says, but it's by my spirit. It's by my spirit. And then he says, and Zerubbabel is going to finish that which he started. And you're, he's going to finish it. And he kind of says then, in the, in the context of all, he says, because who has despised the day of small beginnings? Because they were despised because they had started this, and 17 years later, it wasn't, they were being despised, made fun of. Made fun of because they couldn't get the job done. Made fun of because they weren't finishing what they had started. And God says in the midst of that, don't despise that day of small beginnings. Because he says it's not by might and not by power, but it's by my spirit that this is going to get finished. And then he says, and then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. I think sometimes God does things like that so there's no doubt in our mind who's doing it. You know, sometimes if, you know, we can, we have a lot, you know, we can have natural abilities and we do. We have natural abilities, God-given abilities, and we can do things and get things done and, and you know, and it can look pretty good and God, you know, we, we, we kind of, Remember to give God credit once in a while, but sometimes people look at it and say, wow, look what they did. And God says, you know what? He says, I'm going to do this, and people are going to know that it's me. I believe that there's a lot of times when, when God wants to do things that you know, one of the things is he wants people to know that it was him. He wants people to know it was him. That this just isn't, this just isn't something that people have made up, or this just isn't people doing a good thing, but this is me. This is God working. And he works with small beginnings. He works in people who are insignificant and unassuming. So I think a lot of times we qualify when we don't even realize it. And we disqualify ourselves for all the wrong reasons. Because we say things like, I can't. I don't know if I can. I don't think I could. I don't see how God could use me. And I think a lot of times God is saying, well, how about if you just try it? Just trust me. Trust me. Let me use you. Let me see what can happen through you. But it's so that people will see him and know him. Another story in the, in the Bible is in Judges. It's a, it's a fairly familiar story in the Bible about Gideon. And it's the same, the same sort of situation. In Gideon, the sixth chapter, in, Gideon, in Judges, the sixth chapter, Judges, the sixth chapter, in the 11th verse. Now, understand that prior to this, again, the children of Israel were being attacked. They were hiding. You know, they, they were afraid. They were harvesting their grain and hiding it and, and uh, probably thrashing it at night and in secret places so that the enemy wouldn't come and steal everything from them. So they're really being harassed, and, and it's kind of a bad time. It's a bad time. You know, they're, they're very afraid. And in the midst of that, in Judges, the 6th chapter, the 11th verse, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joaz the Abazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. So Gideon's threshing wheat in the wine press so they won't find him. He's scared. He's scared. He's hiding. He's afraid. 
He's afraid that the enemy is going to come and take his wheat, take his crop. And so in the midst of this, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What a funny thing for God to say. The guy's hiding in a wine press, thrashing wheat. He's scared to death. He's afraid. He's shaking in his boots. The enemy's going to get him. And God comes and says, you mighty man of valor. Do you ever think that God sees you different than you see yourself? That God sees you different than what you see? Because we tend to have, and it depends on the personality you have, but most of us tend to think of ourselves a lot less than we should. Now, I'm not saying we should be prideful, but I'm saying a lot of times we know our shortcomings, we know our failings, we know the things we're afraid to do, and we see ourselves through that, that glass. And so here's Gideon, afraid, hiding, and God says, Wow, the Lord's with you, you mighty man of valor. And then Gideon says to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You know, very honest, you know, oh, you know, if God says, oh, you mighty man of valor, he says, well, if the Lord's with us, what's going on? If the Lord's with me, why is all this happening? Now, did you ever feel that way? If the Lord's with me, what's going on in my life? Why is all this stuff happening? Why is all these things seem to be so working against me? He says, and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And this guy, is, he's pretty upset. He's kind of depressed. He says, you know, we heard about all the miracles that God did for our forefathers and all the things that God has done. And I've heard those stories, but what about me? What about my life? What about where I'm at right now? Man, I'm struggling. This is hard. And, and part of Gideon's problem, I would say, was Gideon kept looking at himself. You know, in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of what he was going through, Gideon kept looking at what? At his situation. Do you know there's a lot of times if you look at your situation and that's what you focus on, you're going to get depressed? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why, why, why? Where's God? Where's God in all this? And God comes and says, oh, you mighty man of valor. And you go, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so God says, you know, go, Gideon, and go and do what I've told you. Go and do what I told you. Go and deliver the people. And so Gideon, through a course of events, gets, gets an army, army together. And it's interesting that in verse um, or in chapter seven, Gideon got together thirty thousand men. Thirty thousand. Okay, he gets together thirty thousand men. You know, you're going to get an army. You might as well get a good one. You, you know, you hey, we better get a big army because these guys have been threatening us. So if God's going to deliver us, let's get a, a, an army together. So they get thirty thousand people together. And then in, verse, in chapter 7, verse 3, he says, Now therefore proclaiming the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him depart, depart at once from the Mount Gilead. 
and 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So there's 32,000. 22,000 people. He says, if, you know, he gets an army together, and he says, oh, by the way, he says, uh, if any of you guys are afraid, why don't you just go back home? 22,000 guys get up and leave. All right, now, think about it. Gideon says in the beginning, he goes, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I don't know, this doesn't look good, he's hiding. God says, oh, mighty man of valor, get an army together and let's go fight the enemy. He gets 32,000 people together, and then he says, if there's anybody afraid, send them home. And he does, and 22,000 guys leave. You know, if you're afraid, that doesn't help your confidence. That doesn't help your confidence. You know, it's like, whoa, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. And so then he goes on, and then we find that uh, in verse 6, or in verse 5, he says, um, he brought the people, and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps with his water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees and drinks. And so the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. So now, God says, here's what I want you to do. He says, the ones that get down on their hands and drink, you can save them, keep them. Now he's down to 300. I don't know about you, but you know, in our world today, we kind of think numbers. I think a lot of times we think numbers. And probably wrong to think numbers a lot of times. We think numbers. Okay, we got enough people. You know, we got enough. Our army's big enough. Our army can do this. Think about, you know, that's one of the things about in the Middle East, you got to think about Israel. I don't know if you've ever looked, but if you ever look at a map, do you see how big Israel is? Do you ever see how big they are? They're this itty-bitty little sliver of a country, and all these nations around them are their enemies. Now, do you think God's nervous? God's not nervous. He's not nervous. Do you think God is nervous if the United States says we don't want to support Israel anymore? God's not nervous. I'm not, I think we should. But I'm just telling you that if we don't, God's not worried. God's not worried. I don't know if you've ever heard stories about Israel and some of the wars they've been through, but even recent wars, there's been miracle after miracle of God defending them in situations where they were outnumbered, outnumbered. And so what we find is that God says, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. As a matter of fact, we're going to get it down to 300. And why are we going to do that? We're going to do that so that when you have victory, you're going to absolutely, positively know it was me. The Bible says God is a jealous God. What's he jealous of? He's jealous of getting the glory and the honor and the recognition for what he does. And he doesn't want us to take that from him. So a lot of times he has to get it into situations where it looks impossible. The place we all hate. Think about it. You hate that spot where it looks impossible. I don't like that spot where I feel like my back's up against the wall. I don't like that spot where I can't figure things out. I don't like that spot where things aren't going the way I want them to. 
And it's at those times that God would say to us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let me work. Let me do what I want to do so that I might get the glory, so that people will see that it's me. He wants to reveal himself to mankind. He wants to reveal himself to us so that we know it's him, so we know that it's, that it's him who is at work, and it can and will deliver us. And so we have to be willing to step back sometimes, and that is a little bit scary once in a while. We sang this morning about what? I lay me down. What are we laying down? We're laying down our pride. We're laying down our fears. We're laying a lot of things down so that we can know that it's him. So that we can know in the situation, whatever it is we face, we can know that it's him at work. I want you to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. First Peter, the fourth chapter, I'm going to begin at the 10th verse. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It says that whether we speak or whether we minister or whether we serve, we should do it as with the ability which God supplies, and we do it because he wants to receive the glory. You know, what I've found over the years is, you know, we may be doing something, and you know, if you do something long enough, you almost begin to believe it's because of you. If you do something long enough, you think, well, maybe it's because I know how to do this. Or maybe it's because I know enough or I'm good enough or this is my, my gift. And I think we all have gifts and abilities. But it says no matter what we do, whether we speak or whether we serve, whatever our ability is that God supplies, it says we do all things so that he might be glorified. So that he might be glorified. So that we know it's him. Because he's the one that wants to be glorified. God wants to use you as insignificant, weak, fearful, whatever your big hang-ups are, God wants to use you. God has a plan for each and every one of us. He's given us gifts and abilities. And none of us are insignificant because the kingdom of God starts with small beginnings. It starts with small people. I thought about Billy Graham you know, Billy Graham, raised on a dairy farm in North Carolina. Insignificant. You know, a kid growing up on a dairy farm in North Carolina. And God used him. Used him. Now, we see the end result. We think, wow. I wonder what the people thought on the dairy farm. I wonder what the neighbors thought. You know, I wonder what the neighbors thought about it. You know, I wonder, wonder how all that played out. It's, it, you know, you can see the end result and you go, oh, well, you know, he had all. Well, no, you know, he was a kid growing up on a dairy farm. 
It doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter who we are. God can start with small beginnings because he wants to do that. It's a principle. He wants to do that because he can take whatever we're willing to give him and use it to further his kingdom. The big question for each and every one of us is, what does God want for me? What does God want for me? And it starts with, you know, it starts with small things, I think. You know, it's, that's how God operates. It starts with small things. You know, it starts with doing small things for people around us, sharing, caring, serving, right where we're at, whether it's home, work, in our neighborhood, wherever it is. God starts with whatever we're willing to give him, and then he will bless it. And we don't know what that, we don't know what the outcome is. We don't know. That part's up to him. That part's up to him, whatever he wants to do with what we offer him and what we give him. But whatever it is, we have to make sure that when it's done, that he gets the glory. He's the one that gets the glory, you know, and he's the one that gets the honor because it's him. And we have to always remember, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. It's by his spirit working in us and through us, whoever we are, doing whatever he wants us to do. You know, and that's, that's the way God's kingdom works. That's the way it works. I was sharing this morning, you know, we talk about a lot of things and I don't know, we don't have a big picture a lot of times, I believe, of what God's doing in the world. But, you know, I said, you know, the church in China, you know, we always think about China as being kind of a bad place in the enemy. But the church in China is growing much faster than the church of America. You know, God can, God can place people in insignificant places and all of a sudden it can explode and grow. And God can work and do things that, wow, we don't even, we don't even have comprehension for. And so the big question is, what does he want to do through us? And what does he want to do through you? Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, as we think about ourselves so many times we think about being unimportant insignificant but lord help us to have your picture just like when you said to gideon almighty man of valor and all of his fears and all of his shortcomings lord you saw what you were going to do through him so lord i pray that you'd help us to be willing to allow you to use us with all our failings and all of our shortcomings that lord you would use us to do your work in your kingdom. And Lord, we thank you that you start with small beginnings. It doesn't matter who we are or where we're at. But Lord, if we're willing to allow you to work, that you start with just ordinary people. And Lord, you further your kingdom so that you might get the glory and honor for all that you do. Because Lord, it is by your spirit that these things happen. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that when we get that down inside of us, we realize that it does, in many ways, take a lot of pressure off of us because then we don't have to think that it's up to us to make everything happen and to produce and, and make things grow. But Lord, it's growth in your kingdom and it's by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if there's anyone this morning that has a need for prayer, that you would encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray for them this morning up front. Lord, that you would just help us to receive from you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
You may be blessed, and um, I think we have to take down chairs again today 